up? What up, everybody? Welcome back to the Showtime Forum podcast, talking all things purple and gold. I'm your host, Chris Camello, joined as always by my esteemed co-host and Showtime Forum contributor, Mr. Chaz Pearson. Welcome back, Chaz. What up, Laker Nation? We back up in this thing. What's good, Chris? Well, first of all, I'm thinking, should we cue the Welcome Back Cotter theme song music? Welcome back, do-do, welcome back, welcome back. Oh, welcome yeah. Back. I, had good, I, had good, I had a good little break after we lost in five games to Phoenix. Six games, sorry. Yeah, um, it might as well have been five games. <laughs> may, may as well have been, but made it a little bit sweeter that Phoenix did not go home with the trophy. I was happy to see that. Um, I'm, I'm just glad that we're back. It's rumor season. It's trade season, draft season, free agency. Season, like it's coming. It's right here. So, well, hang on. I'm just to, let's not give away too much in the first 30 seconds. We got another great one for all you fans of the purple and gold. Is DeMar DeRozan coming home? Are Kuzma's days numbered in LA? Is Schroeder more likely to get signed and traded, or is he going to sign and stay? And what are the Lakers doing on Thursday night's draft? And we're going to have a special guest to help us break that all down on the welcome back edition of the Showtime Forum podcast. But before we get into anything, be sure if you haven't done so already, be sure to follow us on all social media and streaming platforms at Showtime Forum. Uh, on Twitter, it's still at Showtime underscore form. Everything else is at Showtime form on all social media and streaming platforms. And also go to our website, the showtimeform.com. That's the T-H-E showtimeform.com. Well, Chaz, partner, it's great to see you again, man. What up, Chris? Yeah, it, it's good to see you. Feels good to be able to talk Laker basketball again where it actually means something. Um, I know we're not talking about games and what's happening on the court, but we're going to be talking about some stuff that's going to be leading that way. So and before let's get we, to it. Oh, absolutely. And before we get into anything, obviously this last year was, it was rough in a lot of different ways. And it was no coincidence that the last four teams out of the bubble in October of 2020, first of all, two of those teams were the seven seeds, the Boston Celtics, as well as the LA Lakers. The Miami Heat were, I believe, a sixth seed in the Eastern Conference, and they were last year's Eastern Conference champs. And then, of course, the Denver Nuggets, the three seed, they were the most successful out of that quartet, and they did it without Jamal Murray, who had a torn ACL late in the year. Chaz, and I just think this is important before we get into anything. For us frustrated as everybody wants to be with the Lakers, those other three teams could share in the misery because they understood, like, it wasn't the season was not supposed to go like that with the injuries, the inconsistencies and just never getting going, whether it be COVID, whether it be basketball related injuries, whether it was fatigue, everybody, every one of those four teams was dealing with something. And by the way, just, this is my favorite stat to throw out to people. Those four teams combined in the playoffs, seven and 18, one series win, two teams were swept. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. The consequences of the bubble. Exactly. I mean, so there it was right there. So as much as watching Phoenix destroy the Lakers at Staples Center with fans, by the way, in game six back in, uh, I, I can't even remember, was it early June when all of that happened? Which, by the way, I was, I was next door that June. night. 
June the 4th, I believe. I think, okay. They're June the 4th. I was next door that night. I was watching the LA Sparks uh, beat the Indiana Fever, and they were knocking down every three that night. And I also have on my cell phone the Laker game going, and I'm saying, man, the LA Sparks should should teach the Lakers a thing or two about making open threes. Because yeah, we couldn't make that anything, was, man. Yeah, it was rough. Anthony Davis going down and not being able to go. LeBron clearly not 100%. A lot of these role players that – everyone had high expectations for just completely floundered as that series went on from Kuz to Dennis Schroeder to Trez, not even being able to get out there on the court. It was a rough way to go out, but at the same point in time, what was the reward for, for winning that series? You would have had to go up against a really tough Denver team, granted shorthanded, but playing well. And the fact that the Lakers were just so injury prone, Chaz, there was nothing good that was going to come out of advancing at that point. No, I mean, Anthony Davis, Missed half the season. He missed 36 of 72 games this past season. And he never got the rest or the training ability that he normally has on a normal offseason. And he just wasn't right going into the going into the season. So when you're second best player, or if not your best player, right, in terms of the person that's going to affect the most on the court, Anthony Davis is that guy. LeBron James is the is the best player and the leader, right? And pretty much the part of the engine that make the Lakers go. But Anthony Davis is just the most versatile player probably in the entire league, right? So when you have that guy missing half the season, he's not right coming into it. His, he's not right going into the playoffs. Still was able to put up back-to-back 34-point nights in games two and three against Phoenix. But he goes down in the third quarter of game four. Mm-hmm. Terrace is growing has a hyperextended knee the, the game before that, which probably led to the groin because when one part of your body isn't doing one thing, then the other parts of the body have to overcompensate. So it was just a snowball effect. But you know, let me just say this really quick about Phoenix before we get into our Lakers real quick. There's a reason why that franchise hasn't won anything. There's a reason why that city hasn't won anything. And this is coming from somebody who lived there for, for four years and has strong ties to the city of phoenix but from franchise to franchise to franchise that they have in that city there's a reason why they haven't won anything since 2001 right right so like there's a you act like you've been there before but then you're reminded oh wait they haven't been there before so having parades when you're coming off of a series win or having a player like jay crowder post instagram jabs against you know after you win the series saying uh what do you say about the well uh, pretty much what lebron said you know it ain't no fun when the rabbit has the gun you know and phil handy like had something phil to, handy yeah, no, and yeah. I, phil handy had something I, to say about that he like, did he and he clapped back on him basically saying like we're gonna you know we're gonna keep the receipts i'm paraphrasing and i got to you know what during one of the sparks games there was a stretch where everybody was showing up dame d wade lebron showed up all together one night q cook our old pal from the 2020 championship team was there and then phil handy showed up to one of the games and i actually got to talk to him he was nice enough to take a picture with me talk to me for a few minutes great guy great basketball mind and he even said like phoenix was lucky to to get where where they were and i even said like people want to put an asterisk on the lakers championship from 2020 because it was in the bubble but how can you not and no disrespect to phoenix and the or or now the new nba champion milwaukee bucks Giannis was spectacular but i also want to you know point out about what Phil Handy had to say about Phoenix and and how he said that they were lucky because we were not at full strength. 
and not just LeBron and, and Anthony Davis either, but a lot of our players. And that showed as that series went on, we just were not a hundred percent. And had we been a hundred percent, they, he even said they would have been home by now. They would have been home yeah, right now. Absolutely. The Phoenix would have lost that series. How, where the Lakers would have gone after that. I don't know. Right. Depending upon health and the chemistry issues that Kuz alluded to that came out in a report after the season when, you know, or not even in a report where Kuz actually said either in his exit interview or in an interview shortly after the season, he was talking about uh, chemistry issues and the reports are um, it was Kuz and Schroeder that had a lot of those chemistry issues. And I would imagine that Drummond had some issues chemistry wise, as well as Montrez Harrell with Vogel and other members of the, of, of the team. So obviously the chemistry just wasn't right. Uh, like it was in the bubble and sometimes things happen for a reason. The bubble probably was actually the best thing that happened to the Lakers because it forced them to be able to hone in and focus on their goal and go after it. Whereas, you know, this past season, there was just so many different moving parts. And the team that had the least amount of injuries or major injuries, right? Every team had injuries and every team had some player or some team member or staff member in and out of the protocols of COVID. But the team that had or that won the war of attrition by being able to make it there the furthest won the title or was able or able to make it to the finals and no surprise that the phoenix suns who suffered no serious injuries until the finals not a single player missed more than four weeks of time or really i think three weeks was the stat no player missed three weeks until sarge tore his acl so and that was in game two of the finals so Obviously, Chris Paul is in and out of protocols a few times in the playoffs. Um, and obviously, you had him not being right with the shoulder or the wrist, but you had no, and you had Devin Booker breaking his nose in the Western Conference Finals. But outside of that, they suffered no major injuries. Uh, Giannis and the Bucks, Giannis had the knee injury with the hyperextension, the gruesome injury that could have derailed his entire, the rest of his Eastern Conference Finals and the finals. But Giannis was able to make it through. And those are the two teams that were able to make it. But bottom line is Phoenix got what was coming to them. You, you preach, you preach sons and four the whole time. And, and it was cute. It was nice after it they was. swept the, and it showed the, though, the Denver nuggets, but they didn't have the, they didn't have the respect. That's all. That's all. That's all it is. For it's me. a great and point. Just, and, I, and I wanted to, and I wanted to root for CP three, but I, I couldn't root for him like that, even though that was bronze man. And I just felt like they didn't respect the fact that, yeah, they won. They beat the defending world champions in the Lakers, but they didn't handle it with the respect that they should have, in my in my opinion. And Booker pushing shorter is something I'm never going to forget. I don't care. And you're going to hear me on this podcast. I'm not the biggest shorter fan, but just the fact that Booker did that, and the fact that he wants to act like he wants to fight at somebody every single time he does something good on the court, I I just can't get with that man. That's just my personal. That's just my personal feelings. Now, is Booker great? Is he a Great talent, yes. Can he be compared to Kobe? Only offensively and maybe mentality-wise, but defensively and, and and overall, there's no way. But outside of that, I look, I was just rooting for Monty, such a great coach, but they ultimately a, the better team won. Yeah, exactly. And Milwaukee had paid more dues. They had gone through a couple of years of heartbreak and early exits and being, ironically enough, you know, they were down 0-2 
to the Phoenix Suns in the finals. You go back two years ago, they were up 2-0 on the Toronto Raptors, and they ended up losing that series in six games with Toronto led by Kawhi Leonard storming back. So I think you kind of saw that they let their foot off the gas in 2019, much like Phoenix let their foot off the gas as that series wore on. And maybe guys got fatigued, guys got tired. Uh, I think the inexperience kind of showed. I think Milwaukee was just a bigger, stronger, tougher team, more experienced, and a lot better defensively than any of these other teams that they have faced. Absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, credit to the Milwaukee Bucks on winning the championship. Phoenix, I, I, honestly, it's not. I know it's going to sting for a while, but to be honest, given – the history of that organization, the fact that they had not gone to a finals in 28 years, they hadn't gone to the playoffs in, in 11 years. They've got a lot to be proud of considering they were a laughing stock, a dysfunctional organization for a long time from the front office. Now, now you've got a lot of stability with James Jones, executive of the year, Monty Williams, runner up to coach of the year, in my opinion, should have won it, but that's that's a story for another day. You got rising stars and Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, good role players. They're going to be just fine. But now it's a it's a lesson learned because sometimes you have to go just like with the Lakers in a way. Sometimes the way you lose a finals could propel you into something else greater on the horizon. So maybe that's just what they needed to move forward. Anyway, Chaz, we got a special guest coming on. He's from a site called The Backcourt Violation. His name is Tyler Rucker. And he's going to be helping. As we know, there is a draft on Thursday night. And he's going to be breaking down some of the potential picks. Assuming the Lakers hold on to that pick at number 22. He's going to kind of help break us down some of the diamonds in the rough. As we always like to have in recent years. When you look at guys like Josh Hart and Kyle Kuzma. These were all late first round picks. So without further ado, Tyler Rucker. Tyler, thanks for joining us on the Showtime Forum podcast. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to uh, talk some Lakers basketball. Let's get after it. What's good, Tyler? Yeah. How man. we doing? Doing good. Uh, first of all, I was just I just wanted to say some impressive write-ups, man, that you had and you know clips that you put together because you just kind of hit the ground running. Like, hey, the season's over, but hey, Lakers got a first round pick. These are some of the names you should be looking at. So, what? Uh, just give us a little history on this on this uh, site, uh, backcourt violation. What propelled you to do it? How long you've been doing it? Um, yeah, so I've basically been like a lot of us, just obsessed with the draft for my entire life, and uh, spent some time working around the NBA. Nothing really too serious to brag about, but um, got to the point where I finally was like, hey, I want to go on my own path. Um, start talking about the draft, kind of get my stuff out there. And um, this has been our second year really pushing it forward. But so far, it's been fantastic. I mean, I'm sure you guys know the basketball community is just awesome. Um, You meet a lot of great people out there. And, you know, it's draft season. This is pretty much Christmas for me. So I'm I'm pumped. You know, I'm ready to get after it. It seems like it took forever to get here, but uh, I'm excited for Thursday. Right Best on. time of the year for those hardcore basketball fans, right? Like, <laughs> yes, I- sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. It's, it's always great when a lot of these young guys who are at the collegiate level or maybe international now get to recognize their NBA dream and, and get to that next level. And you just never know what you're going to find because there's a laundry list of great players that we have seen through the years that were low first round picks or second round picks that end up having hall of fame careers. So we'll definitely see what is in store. But as far as the Lakers go, as I said, they are the 22nd pick. 
Uh, one of the names in the most recent mock draft that I saw, Tyler, was a 6'5 guard named, uh, forgive me on the name pronunciation, Io Dosunman of Illinois, a 6'5 guard. He averaged 16 points and four assists in three years with Illinois. Uh, the comparable has been to DeLon Wright, who's had a pretty solid NBA career. And he was also a Wooden Award finalist. So is that one of the names to kind of keep an eye on with the 22nd pick? Yeah, I think it's, you know, AO has been one of those guys that I thought deserved a little bit more pre-draft buzz, if you want to word it that way. Every year he went back to Illinois, he just got better. He developed uh, multiple aspects of his game. You know, the outside shot needs to come around more consistently, but he's taken leaps forward each year with it. And he's one of these guards that's this modern age, like bigger point guards that have good length. Um, he plays the game with good speed. He's got some burst. So I think AO definitely deserved a little bit more buzz. I like him as a potential sne- like sleeper pick right there for Lakers. Um, I think he could be a guy that comes in and doesn't need to carry the load offensively like he did at Illinois. Um, he could kind of just be a change of pace, put everyone in position. So, yeah, I think that's a really good option that the Lakers could consider there at 22. Absolutely. Um now, we've known Rob Palenka for the Los Angeles Lakers to be very, very creative and very, very flexible. Um, when the Lakers didn't even have a pick, he used some cash to purchase a pick, which brought in Taylor Horton Tucker, uh, who's now getting some buzz and is an asset that the Lakers right. can use. But if the Lakers don't trade the pick and actually hold on to it, do you see the Lakers possibly trading back and still finding value later in the draft with it being, you know, a much deeper draft than a star-studded draft this year? Yeah, I I think it's definitely a possibility. I think this year's draft, you know, last year, if you're looking back at it, everyone was kind of saying there's not a lot of star power. But looking back right now, there was value all over. You know, there was players that could come in and contribute. And this class, I think, is even deeper. I think when you get to the 20 to even 40 or 45 range, I think there's going to be players all over that you could go find and get intriguing assets for your roster. So I don't, I think there's going to be a lot of movement maybe towards the later first, maybe second round. I think teams are going to be eager to try to go get some of these pieces because I really just, there's a lot of really good value, especially in the second round. I think there's some great talent that, some playoff teams could go find another asset that helps out your rotation. I, you know, maybe you find a rotational piece that plays serious minutes in the second round. I mean, it's a really deep draft this year. Yeah. And and that's the thing about these drafts. Sometimes they're very top heavy where it's like, if you're not in the top five pick, as we saw two years ago with Zion, jaw, RJ Barrett, just to name a few. And then after that, it was just kind of like, uh, where do we kind of go from here? That's why you saw a lot of moves that particular year in 2019 this year. I'm looking at it. There's not a lot of names that I, that me and Chaz were just talking about this offline. Uh, Tyler, there's not a lot of recognizable household names. I recognize Evan Mobley because I've actually, I'm a big USC fan, football and basketball. I know he's going to be pretty good, but would you characterize this draft as just flushed with a lot of good, solid talent, but limited on star power? I think when you're at the top, there's a lot of star power this year. That's maybe more consensus star power compared to last year. We know we had the debate about who should go first this year. It's, you know, we can debate that Jalen Green or Mobley should go first, but I think we're pretty set on Cade Cunningham being the, the alpha in this class, if you want to word it that way. But 
Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot more star assets towards the top, but there's really good players all over. I mean, there's going to someone's going to get a really nice talent even lower in the first round than I think we might expect. You know, there's just players that are going to slip through the cracks and be a steal for some team. So, I think this the strength of this draft overall is just fantastic. Do you think that the Lakers could possibly go more so a wing than a guard, somebody like Zaire Williams out of Stanford, perhaps, or even, uh, or do they go, if they hold on to the pick, pick obviously, or go with someone, if he's still there, like Chris Dorte out of Oregon? Mm. I think, um, you know, what's fascinating is I keep looking at the Lakers. They're in a good spot, you know, and I know it's, it's weird to say out loud because they're picking 22nd, but the way this draft is shaping up. There's a lot of prospects that have a lot of uncertainty. If you ask people around the league, you know, wide ranges, like one team might have them up here. The other team has them as a late first round pick. Duarte's going to be a popular name for Laker fans, just because there's been rumblings that they even had a promise with him. But unfortunately, I think he's been pretty much the hottest name throughout yeah. the whole entire pre-draft process. So I actually think what you said is, a really intriguing like curveball, if you want to put it that way. I think Zaire Williams could be a guy that, you know, maybe some of the guys they have higher on their board are off the board. What if you could get an upside guy that you could develop that turns into a really nice player for this team moving forward? Maybe Zaire comes in and they just say, Hey, we need you to make an impact defensively. Let's keep it simple. Yeah. Your offensive game is going to develop down the road. So I think definitely at 22, there could be guys that fall that have really high upside that maybe you say, okay, we, we trust our developmental staff. Let's, let's see if we can hit, hit a home run on this one. And we do have a pretty good, Lakers, you have a pretty good devo- developmental staff. There you go. And scouting, scouting department as well, Jesse Buss. Yeah. Um, has found and don't some forget, really good- don't forget my boy, Nick Mazzella. I've known Nick a long time. Yeah. He's almost a family friend. We come from the same town. In fact, my brother, married into his family basically so i mean okay there, there you go they're almost like borderline in-laws last question for for me uh tyler uh, really appreciate the time if you are the lakers do you go fit or do you go best available at 22 you know i think i go best available i think you know we know how good this team can be when they're healthy i mean they got lebron's gonna do his thing ad's one of the best bigs in the league if not the best but I think you go best available because they just need guys that can hoop. Like, and I know that sounds ridiculous to say, but like a Jared Butler, I love Jared Butler. I think if he could somehow be on the board at 22, he would be a dream fit for the Lakers. Cause he's just a guy that really smart basketball player, very underrated defensively, just a baller, just a baller. And you know what? He's one of those guys you want in at the end of games. Like he just makes winning plays. He can, he's got great handles. He can attack. So I think they're in a position, get the best player available. If you can get someone that can help you right away, even better, but um, they're going to be in a good spot. Like someone's going to be on the board that it's, it's going to be great for Lakers and the Lakers fans. So last one for me, this, your personal opinion, what does your gut tell you? You've been doing this for obviously more the two years that you've had, um, you know, being on your own, but the, all the time that you've spent learning about the draft and just analyzing, 
What does your gut tell you? Do the Lakers hold on to this pick um, and actually make a selection of their own, or do they package it and, you know, use it as an asset to get someone else? I would think they probably hold on to it. I think you're sitting actually in a good spot at 22. Player's going to come down the board, and I would let the draft kind of fall to you if I'm Rob Palenka and the Lakers. You know, I think there's going to be some picks ahead that might be, you know, head scratchers to guys like us, but I think there's just a lot of uncertainty with this class because so many prospects just have such a wide range around the league if you ask one team or another. So I think the Lakers will stay put. Maybe they feel good enough to try to move back a couple spots and pick up a second round pick or something. I mean, they're, they're in a good spot. I think at the end of the day, let the board fall to you and just roll with it. You know, trust your board at the end of the day. See, that's the best part about the draft, like not being so top heavy and being locks between like one through 10 or even one through 15 for instance, like when you have so many different moving parts and have such a deep draft like this, it makes for fans like us just that much more interesting. And even the casual fans that are, you know, that aren't really into it. So should be a fun night on Thursday. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And the thing is, I, I mentioned a couple of guys like Kyle Kuzma and Josh Hart only because those guys were late first round picks, but the Lakers got Talon Horton Tucker in a deal, I believe with the Orlando Magic. Correct me if I'm wrong, 46th out of six yeah, I know he's in second yeah I definitely know he's in second and this is a guy now that could be a building block moving forward Jordan Clarkson second round pick almost the same type of scenario going back to 2014 2013 or 2014 and he ends up now becoming a six man of the year seven eight years later so I mean the Lakers have had great success Evita Zubak another guy Great success in recent years, finding guys late first round or in the middle of the second round and guys that have not only been able to help them, but have almost used the Lakers as a platform to develop their skills. And then unfortunately, not many of them have stayed here to uh, get rolling. A lot of times they've ended up getting traded or signed elsewhere and really got going but they started here in LA so the fact that the Lakers saw something in them early just goes to show you the brilliance and the uh the dedication of their scouting report and finding value in guys which is a very difficult thing because I think Tyler the toughest question to to answer as a scout as a front office exec is how does this guy's game translate to the pro game exactly 100% I mean these guys, you're looking for specific value and you're looking for guys and you're saying, okay, what's at the end of the day, what is his NBA skill? Like, yeah. what can we count on him to come in and he's going to be good at an NBA level at this. And sometimes you swing and miss. Sometimes you read guys wrong, but um, there's definitely going to be value. The Lakers have had a history of finding some good value all over the draft. And I think this is a good draft that you can find value all over. So like you guys said, Thursday's going to be exciting. I mean, there's going to be a lot of movement, I think. Um, there's going to be some head-scratching picks, but uh, it's going to be a fun year for sure. Lakers have to find their – they have to find a wing that's going – a 3 and D guy, I think. Mm-hmm. If, if they can find somebody that can shoot the ball very well, then I think that ultimately they're going to put themselves in a really good position to have the flexibility that they would like to have. So sure. um, sh- should be an interesting night. Yes. No doubt. Tyler, thank you so much for the time, man. Tell our audience how they could reach you. Um, just at Backcourt V, just anywhere on Twitter, 
Instagram, whatever social media, whatever your heart desires. And um, looking forward to it, guys. Thank you guys so much for having me on. It was a blast. Absolutely. We're definitely going to sure. keep following you, man. Thanks for all the great information that we were actually reposting, especially the weeks leading up to this uh, Thursday's draft. So appreciate the time. Thanks again. And uh, keep doing your thing, man. And uh, anything, if they end up holding on to that pick, we look forward to seeing what you have to say about what potential that they're going to bring to this Laker team for the 21-22 season. Absolutely. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. All right. Take How's it easy. Thanks, Tyler. All right, the great Tyler Rucker. That was good stuff, huh, Chaz? Great stuff. Great, Very good insightful. analysis. I mean, I like what he's. I, I like what he's saying about the the draft just being so jumbled up, and you never know really what's going to happen when you have those big players at the top. It kind of just goes chalk from there. But when you don't have those locks at four, five, and six, it trickles down. The trickle down effect is drastic and I was kind of spacing out on my last question let me just clear that up the Lakers need to find their Mikhail Bridges I kept saying uh they need to find somebody to three and D they need to find their Mikhail Bridges well I would have never forget, thought Mikhail Bridges was like an early a late lottery pick so he was yeah. really good played for a, a NCAA national championship winning team in Villanova he was on a lot of people's radar so it's harder to find those guys in the the, the middle to latter part of the first round not Im impossible, but it's tougher. Well, what I mean, what I mean is you find a guy that's worth more than what you thought he was when you picked him. When the when the Phoenix Suns picked Mikael Bridges, they didn't picture him having 20 plus points in the NBA finals or playing lockdown defense to, to help go up 2-0 in the finals. Like they right. they just especially within the first three years of his career, they didn't see that. No. They, they would have been crazy if they did, if they say that they did, but if the Lakers can be able to pull it off and, and find someone that has similar kind of impact, they might be better off. If you trade, and we'll get into it, if you trade Kyle Kuzma and you can find somebody in the draft that's going to give you almost the same production, but you're able to trade Kuz and, and get somebody back in a package that's even better, like a third star, like maybe, I don't know, a DeMar DeRozan, then that might give you the better, best overall chance. Well, speaking of DeRozan, he was just on a podcast with Shannon Sharp that blew up the internet today because everyone saw that as a cryptic way of saying, I want to be a Laker and I'm willing to take a massive uh, pay cut. I'm going to try to find that sound, but DeRozan, just to refresh everybody's memory, don't forget DeRozan was linked to the Lakers last off season. Many thought that if the Lakers are able to put together a trade deal to land DeMar DeRozan, they would be more interested in finding a third star. DeRozan has been a multiple-time All-Star, some great years in Toronto. The last couple of years in San Antonio, he's been All-Star caliber without actually getting All-Star named. But I think what kind of got lost in the translation was the fact that San Antonio hasn't been a great team with DeRozan. Uh, they haven't been as high as they were you know, with Kawhi and Duncan and those guys in recent years. But still, he had some good seasons in San Antonio under pop and, and with the Spurs. So he's at a point now he's made his money. What's his contract situation, Chaz? Is he, so he is an unrestricted free agent? Okay. He so, so he is, opted into he just, last year. Okay. He just completed a five-year deal where he was averaging $27.8 million a year. Um, he spent the last three seasons in San Antonio and left the Toronto Raptors. It was involved in that 2018 trade. Uh, with Kawhi Leonard. So he's an unrestricted free agent. He's 
said in the interview yeah, with actually, I have that. that he's played and made a lot of money. Go right ahead. I, I have the sound. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, was an important summer for me, especially right. going to free agency. So I just wanted to keep that passion and drive going into the summer and really not take no time off. Okay, let's talk about free agency. You are an unrestricted free agent. You spent the last two years um, in San Antonio. What is DeMar DeRozan looking for if he were to leave Seattle in a new, excuse me, in San Antonio, if he leaves for a new home? What are you looking for? Um, I mean, it's all about winning at right. this point. You know what I mean? Um, going into my 13th season. Right. Um, you're seeing all these guys just competing for a championship. I hear a lot of guys say that. I've heard a lot of guys in baseball and basketball and football say it's all about winning, but they normally end up going to the team that pays them the most money. <laughs> is it all about winning? Or, you know, you want to get compensated too while winning. I mean, you try to, you try to meet the final <laughs> You try to line. balance yeah, it. You try to balance it as best as you can. Right. But at this point, you know, you got to weigh, you got to weigh out the opportunity of winning a championship right. kind of more, you right. know, especially with the career I had. I've, I've been fortunate to, to make a lot make of money. money. Yeah. You know what I mean? But at this point, you know, your ultimate goal is always to compete for a championship. Ooh. <laughs> My man, listen, he's locked in. What does that tell you? What does that tell you, Chris? I'll, I'll tell you what it tells me. You go first, man. Well, uh, yeah, so that was DeMar DeRozan having a one-on-one -on -one with Shannon Sharp. And it basically says, like, look, I'm out of position now. I've made the money. I've done the individual accolades. He's almost in a situation where it almost reminds me of when the Boston Celtics got together in 07. We've done the individual awards thing. We've gotten far, but we haven't won a championship. Now it's like I'm ready to win. If I got to take a massive pay cut, so be it. I'm at that position now in my life, in my career, where a winning environment is more important to me than getting a multi-year deal from someone who might be a mid-level team and me being there won't be the difference between making the playoffs and just winning and winning a championship. So, like I said, he's a Compton native. USC product for him to don the purple and gold at this stage of his career. And he's still pretty good. This is a guy that could average anywhere from 22 to 27 points a game. He's an improved outside shooter. He's got a great mid range game. He can get to the basket. He can get to the free throw line, great free throw shooter and a guy who's capable of closing out games. See, that's the, one of the things that DeRozan never got enough credit for was he was a very good closer in Toronto, had some really good years there. Unfortunately, they just kept running into LeBron every year. So in DeRozan's case, I guess, if you can't beat him, join him. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I think that it would be, it would check off a lot of boxes, secondary playmaker, secondary score guy who can create for himself and others improved shooter. Like I said, uh, not a great defender. That's the other, that's the aspect. But at this point, if he could check off enough of those other boxes and you still have a, a really good defensive culture in place, and bring in other good solid defenders at the wing to kind of cover up for DeRozan. Maybe that aspect won't matter, but I, I'm definitely intrigued by DeMar coming back home and, and wearing the purple and gold. Here's the thing about it. Not only am I intrigued, but I'm almost willing to beg him. See, when we were talking about when the, the rumors over the past, maybe two, two and a half years were talking about, was talking about trading for DeMar DeRozan giving up an actual asset for him. I wasn't, I wasn't for that. I just wasn't right. um, because of the lack of scoring ability, the lack of defense, the veteran presence. Yes. The hometown story, hometown kid. Yes. What he means to the inner city of LA and just kids, you know, all around 
um, Compton, Inglewood, Long Beach, Mid City, downtown, whatever of LA, he means a lot. So to be able to bring him back or bring him to the Lakers or back home would be huge. But here's the thing. You're not giving up any assets for him at this point. True. If, if, you, if you get him, the max that the Lakers could offer him is $9.5 million on the, and that's the full mid-level exception that they have available to them. That's the only space that they have. They cannot sign him to any other deal outside of that. They could sign him for less than 9.5, but obviously he's probably not taking less than that. It'll, it'll be a miracle if he's willing to even take the 9.5. But as you can tell in that clip, and if you listen to the entire interview, you would hear him say that anybody who completely shoots down the notion of coming home as a, to, to your hometown team that you grew up rooting for or anything like that, you'd be crazy to think that, that you're not willing to listen to it. So from what it sounds to me, he's open to it, but he's not going to be the, the Lakers are not going to be the only team that are vying for his um, abilities and his services, especially at that $9.5 million mid-level exception. So uh, number. So the Clippers could go after him. The Mavericks could go after him. There's plenty of other teams that can offer more money, but could the value be there more for DeRozan? Yeah, absolutely. So Annie also said in that interview that him, LeBron, and AD, uh, you put great players together that are uh, like-minded in the way that they think and all about winning. Beautiful things are going to happen. And I know we'll get into some of the other rumors, but after sitting and thinking about it, I love DeMar DeRozan coming to the Lakers more than trading for Westbrook, signing Kyle Lowry. And we'll talk about Lowry, but I think DeRozan might be actually a precursor for Lowry as well and getting rid of Shorter and bringing in Lowry possibly. So this could set up as a domino effect. We'll never, you know, you never know what's going to happen, especially in this league, right? Like we've seen in the last three years, five years really, but specifically the last three, we've seen some of the craziest things happen that we just had no idea was even coming, i.e. Paul George, i.e. Kawhi, the Kawhi trade, right. i.e. or him asking out like the way that he did. Dane, you know, possibly as well, or being frustrated, having asked out. Bradley Beal looks like he's going to ask out soon, but he just, he just won't do it. I don't think he has the gumption to be able to ask out and, uh, you know, tear, sever his relationship with Tommy Shepard and the Washington Wizards. So, but you are seeing things happen more uh, than you did maybe even five, 10 years ago. So it's going to be an exciting offseason starting on Thursday with a draft. Yeah, those are great points. And I, I do believe the Lakers are just in, I mean, they're in the mix for everybody right now. And whether it be Damian Lillard or Russell Westbrook or Chris Paul or Kyle Lowry, I mean, we've been hearing it all. And here's, here's the aspect I want Laker fans to understand. There is no perfect option. When you're talking about a guy coming in to be a third guy, that is one of the toughest things to ask guys who've been used to being ones and twos their whole career to now say, hey, come here, but now we're asking you to take less shots. We're asking you to be okay with less touches. We're asking you to be okay with the lesser role. We're asking you to be okay with playing off the ball more. So when you're looking at it from that lens, all of these guys could bring something to the table. Russ, who, according to people I've talked to, is somebody that the Lakers are serious about, but what does he not able to do? What, he's not, what is he not able to do? One is durability has been a problem in recent years. 
Yes, he plays fast. Yes, he's a good playmaker. Yes, he's a good teammate. He's got experience, all of that, but not a very good shooter. So is that a good fit next to AD and LeBron? Chris Paul, first of all, is he really serious about leaving Phoenix? Second, I know him and LeBron are boys, but are they exactly a good fit? Because these are two ball-dominant dudes. And LeBron has not really been a guy throughout his career who's thrived playing off the ball. Dame Lillard, really, you know, one of the most explosive scorers in the game, dead-eye shooter, clutch, but a defensive liability. Then you got Bradley Beal, really good player. But what's that asking price going to be? You know, Kyle Lowry, is he willing to take a pay cut? So it's, yes, on paper, it would be great to get any one of those guys. But keep in mind two things. One, how good are they going to be as a third option? And two, are they going to be an ideal fit next to LeBron and Anthony Davis? Mostly because we're talking about guards, mostly LeBron. So question is, is LeBron going to be cool playing off the ball? And second, when LeBron is running the offense, can they be cool being off the ball? Those are very important questions to ask and to get good, honest answers for before you make any of these sorts of moves. I'm just excited to see how that plays out. Like this is, and I'm probably going to say maybe two more times before this podcast is over, but I literally have no idea what's going to happen. Normally I could sit down in an off season and say, Hey, the Lakers need to do this, need to do this. And then this, and then wherever it shakes out from there, it could be this, this, or this. Mm-hmm. This year, this offseason, I have no idea. Right. Literally it- no idea. All I know is I am willing now. This is the first time. <laughs> and I'm, get, let me, I'm getting a little sentimental, guys. Oh, but boy. this is the first time where I am willing to trade everyone except for LeBron and AD. I'm willing to. Doesn't mean that I w- want to. Doesn't mean that I have to or as a fan – begging for Rob to do it. I am just willing. I, I'm no longer just sitting up on this high horse saying, uh, go pound sand. I'm keeping coups. I'm keeping KCP. I'm rolling the dice with them. Die with those guys, ride or die. That was me for the last yeah. few years, but now I'm open to it. And the coup situation is nothing but murky. And I've been asking this question now in recent weeks on my podcast, Camelo's corner, uh, Kuz's days in LA numbered and have we seen the last of Kyle Kuzma in a Lakers uniform now this year is going to be the first of that three-year extension that he signed and even when he signed it people some people were like hey Kuz deserves it hey he's going to be great and then there was that other aspect of Laker fans saying is this just a potential move so that Rob Palinka and the Lakers front office can move him in a potential deal because he makes some money. Now you could align salaries with somebody who, if you are interested in, let's say a buddy healed, and we'll get to that in a second. Now it's a little bit easier because their contracts could line up. So you don't have to trade three or four guys in order to get one. That's where the extension came into play. And I thought it was twofold. I thought, okay, they're going to reward him for helping them win a championship, but I still am not a believer in his place with the Lakers. I still think there's a prove it aspect to Kyle Kuzma. And let's just be honest, this year was a roller coaster for him. And it wasn't all his fault. The injuries, the situations dictated his role on any given night. There were aspects that he looked like he'd improved on. 
off ball defense was better. Playmaking was better. Defensive uh, intensity uh, and, and just willingness to crash the boards was better. Something that we saw flashes of in the 2020 season, but we saw it more or less this year. But when it came down, once everybody was back, he looked lost again and couldn't ever really find his rhythm. Couldn't hit open threes to save his life. At times was a defensive liability. And I'm just wondering at this point, how much longer do the Lakers go in on this guy? And here's the aspect. Do you trade him to maximize this short window with LeBron and AD together? Or do you ride it out with him and believe that he will get better in a post-LeBron era? Those are tough questions to answer, Chaz. And here's the, and here's the answer to your initial question. It was both. Right. The Lakers signed Kuz to a deal that I felt that he deserved. And at the same time, it killed two birds with one stone yeah. by making him a more tradable asset. So right. it accomplished both things at the same time. This isn't a hot take. This is my opinion. And I think I tend to be right on most things than not when it involves the Los Angeles Lakers and predicting things. I'm going out and just going to say that Kyle Kuzma has played his last game in a Los Angeles Lakers uniform. And here's why. Wow. Kuz and KCP, as Woj has reported on Sunday, that the Lakers have offered the only two chips that they actually have mm-hmm. in all trade discussions with any team. Woj said pretty much that the Lakers have offered Kuz and KCP to any team that they've spoken to, which has been all 29 other teams in the time since mm-hmm. the, the season has ended last Tuesday till now, which is – than the Monday after the, the championship. The Lakers have only a few players outside of LeBron and AD that are actual tradable assets. They can't trade Trez because he hasn't opted in yet. Marcus Gasol is on a minimum opt-in or opt-out deal. McKinney is, has a $1.9 million mid-level exception hold. Everybody else outside of that is a free agent, whether, whether it be restricted or, or unrestricted. So the only two chips that you can actually use to trade somebody in an actual trade discussion is Kuz and KCP. I don't see any scenario in which Rob Polenka comes back with both of those guys. One of those guys is going to be gone. More than likely both of them because the Lakers are going to use both of those chips to get back the player that they want to get. I don't see Rob writing this out, bringing both of those guys back, having Trez opt in, bringing back Schroeder. This isn't a running back type of team. This is a team that obviously you you can run it back with, but you saw some glaring holes. Injuries aside, even if the Lakers didn't have the injuries that they did, COVID protocols and everything like that, there still wasn't this level of depth that you really could see that they had. The Lakers weren't as deep as the media and maybe I or others in the, in the media or talking heads on Twitter or wherever, the Lakers weren't deep as they thought they were. Montrez Harrell gave them a level of versatility that they didn't have before, but what's the versatility if you don't use it? Exactly. Um, Shorter was a much better point guard in OKC than he clearly was prior to that and even after that. This past season, he was back down his averages. He's an average shooter at best makes more of his money on the defensive end than the offensive end. LeBron needs an actual orchestrator, a leader when he's not on the floor. And to be honest, Shorter's just not that. He's more of a six-man guy. 
he, the Lakers would have been far better off using him in a six-man role and probably starting Kuz and making LeBron the de facto point guard, which he is anyway, and bringing Shorter off the bench with Caruso or Horton Tucker and who are in Gasol and Harrell. The Lakers would have been better off doing that. But because you promised, right, you made so many wink-wink promises when Schroeder came in and when Drummond came in that you had to play those guys, right. which forced chemistry issues, which cost which caused other issues. So I'm going to go out on the limb and say that the Lakers aren't just going to run it back. They're going to make trades. And the only tradable assets that you have in order to accomplish those trades are Kuz and KCP. And one, if not both of those guys are gone. And I think it's probably going to be Kuz rather than KCP because KCP has more experience than Kuz. And he's a little bit more proven than Kuz. And a better so. and a better fit for what the Lakers are trying to do. Because here's the thing. You can't just add all of these stars on top of each other. You need to have guys who are willing to accept and thrive in a certain role. And KCP is your prototypical 3 and D guy. And let's be honest, he has played very well for the Lakers. Especially going back to the 2020 season in, inside the bubble during the playoffs. He, he had some big performances, hit some big shots took on some tough defensive challenges this last year. Yeah, it was, a, it, it was, it started off hot and then he really slowed down for about a month or two. And then he finished off the season strong. Unfortunately, he got hurt in the playoffs. Like everybody else was not himself. And if you're not healthy guarding a guy like Devin Booker or Chris Paul, they're going to eat you for breakfast. And it was clear that he had the knee injury was not himself. So I would like to see KCP back on the team. Kuzma on the other hand, you know, we said this a couple of years ago. If you could flip this guy to get a bona fide score or shooter, remember two years ago we were talking about um, uh, Bojan Bogdanovic, who is now in Atlanta. You look how good he played next to a guy like Trey Young. And I always say to myself, man, Lakers really kind of screwed the pooch in that aspect. I would have loved to see Bogdanovic. Imagine what he could do next to AD and LeBron. An ideal fit, tough dude plays hard, explosive. He had some big nights for the Hawks uh, as they went on to the Eastern Conference Finals this season. Um, by the way, congrats to them on a, on a well-played year. And now you got a chance to get a guy similar to that, not a very good defender, but a very good score in Buddy Heald, who's had some great performances against the Lakers and, once again, could be a better fit with the Lakers uh, than a guy like Kyle Kuzma. So that's the aspect of wanting to trade a guy like Kyle Kuzma who may have a better upside than Heald, and even that is questionable, but Heald with his floor spacing, his ability to create for himself, you could stash him in the corner, you could stash him on the wing, he can kind of do both for you. I think that would be a better fit. Not to mention, he's got some experience playing alongside Anthony Davis very early in his career, but still, they played together, and I'm sure AD wouldn't mind having a guy like that on the roster. So if that's something that the Lakers are exploring, that definitely helps the shooting slash secondary scoring that was missing from last year's team, and now you could have it for the 21-22 team. I love the Buddy Hill deal. If it's if it's Kuz and maybe the 22nd pick for, for Hill, do it. I would, yeah. If it's, if it's Kuz and KCP for Hill, don't do it. Yeah. If it's, you know, Chaz, I'm, I'm let me, not, let me just say one thing. I'm not giving well. two assets away for heel. You want to talk about a third option mentality? That dude may have it. That's. Oh, yeah. Thing. Instead oh, of yeah. asking a star, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Instead of asking a star to now 
not only dial it back two or three rungs, you're asking a guy like Buddy Heald to be like, oh, play alongside Le- LeBron and AD. What do you need me to do? Stand out here and make open shots? Uh, let me think about that. Sure. No problem. You want me to take out your laundry in the process? I'll do that too if I got spare time. But you need me to just, you know, have a wet jumper from, from the short corner. I could do that all day. And this is a guy who's also capable of giving you anywhere from 18 to 23 points a game. In my opinion, that is a third option. A bona fide third option. Somebody who's going to shoot a very high percentage uh, from open three. I, I just don't see Buddy Heald missing more than making open threes. He just, he, he's a killer and he creates, he creates shots for himself. He's a smarter, more experienced player. I, I love that. Now, here's the thing. I'm of the belief that the Lakers aren't leaking their information because everything has always been vacuum sealed tight, especially in the Rob Polenka era after Magic Johnson, obviously uh, stepped down. The Lakers are not leaking this information to Shams. The Kings are if not some other team who heard about this deal is who is leaking this deal uh, to Shams Sharania of the athletic who reported this um, in an article, I believe on Saturday. I don't, I just don't believe that the Lakers are letting this out. So why would the Kings or somebody else let this information out is because the Kings need more leverage, right. To get more back for healed than what they reportedly are asking for. So, and given, yeah. yeah, no, I was right. just going to say, and given the fact that Kuz's value took a hit after how poorly he played throughout that first round series against Phoenix and the fact that Heald had a really good season, I was even saying, I don't know if Kuz for Heald straight up works. I agree with what you said. You may need to consider throwing in that, tw- throwing in that 22nd pick. Or I don't know exactly what Buddy Heald is making. I know he just signed, a, I think, a big extension to stay in Sacramento. 22 a year. Yep. 22 a year. 22,247,000. And then he's got two more years after that with, I think, no, no, no option. No player option, no team option. It's a a hard three years. Uh, He's making, now his salary is declining at the at the end of the deal so he may want like an early termination or some type of extension in that last year of his deal but he's making 22 he made 24 last year he'll be making 22 this upcoming year 20 the year after that and then the last year of his deal he's at 18 so he's in he's played the first year of his four-year 94 million dollar deal uh, that he signed okay. back in 2020. So Buddy Hield is a, is, a, is a great addition. There's plenty of other options out there. Great point that you made on Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, I was one that poo-pooed that deal. But now in retrospect, get, looking at what Bogdanovich was able to give Atlanta, not only in the playoffs, but in the Eastern Conference Finals, they could have won that series because of Bogdanovich. Uh, if Trey Young was able to be able, be able to stay healthy and not step on the ref's foot. But... Things happen. Luck tends to go in some ways uh, than not sometimes. And, you know, that's just that's just kind of how the cookie crumbles. But I'm excited to For see sure. what happens with the Lakers and if they decide to hold on to both Coos and KCP. But they're not holding on to both, in my opinion. Right. And Sacramento, they're linked to a couple of other different trades. I've heard that they're in on Damian Lillard. So that would likely mean could they be considering moving on from De'Aaron Fox. 
Uh, I've also heard recently they're looking to trade Harrison Barnes. He's got a massive contract. What a silly re-signing that was by their, uh, I think that was still Vlade. I'm not sure if Monty McNair had done that. Uh, no, that was still Vlade and he's gone and, now. He, he still Vlade and, and, and Pesha, yeah. He did that and then, and I think within a, a few weeks, I think the, between the time that he signed that yeah. deal for Harrison, that less than less than 30 days went by until my point he was is, no longer with the organization. Yeah, exactly. So my point is with, with this, Chaz, is Sacramento is definitely looking for options. They're looking to rebuild, I think, and I they've got a lot of assets that I think a lot of teams would, would like to have. Fox, Bagley, I'm, I, I'm hearing, could want out. You got Barnes, you got Heald. You got a lot of good players on this squad. They may not be good as a unit, but maybe Monty McNair is like, okay, I inherited all these contracts. I got to decide who I really want to keep and build with and who I want to discard and get rid of their salaries and take on some big expiring contracts. So now I could really leave my imprint on this team so we could start moving forward. So that is where the situation with healed. If you're the Lakers, you got to take advantage of a potential garage. sale going up North against a uh, old time rival. I think Kuz knows that he's gone as well because Somebody made a comment on Twitter and Kuz saying, hey, I, I, I wish Kuz could get into uh, a position, I'm paraphrasing pretty much, but a position where he could show his true skills and his true mm-hmm. value. And he replied right. quote, in a quote t- tweet that said soon with a, with a shh, you know, emoji. So he knows something's on the horizon. I think he knows, I think he knows that he's not going, his days as a Laker are numbered. Um, it might be hell as early as thursday so we'll we'll, we'll see and just like and if you're coos and, and we're going to move on to what could happen with uh, somebody he didn't quite get along with at least according to reports and dennis schroeder if you're coos getting traded to a situation where yeah you may not be in a winning situation per se but you've got a chance to really show the league what you're about and that could bode well over the next few years, especially when it comes time to re-upping. And if nothing else, you saw what Lonzo did. You saw what Josh Hart did. You saw what Brandon Ingram did. Jordan Clarkson. Some of these other guys you've played with through the years. Julius Randle as well. These guys have gone elsewhere and flourished. And yeah, not a lot of them have got the hardware like you do, but that is a, that is a situation where it's like, I got my hardware already. Now I want to focus on me. I want to show the league what I can do in the proper system when I've got a little bit more rope to be a scorer and play loose and have fun and just do what I can do. And going to a team without these lofty expectations from the fans and the media or even some of your teammates might be the best medicine for this guy to finally unlock another level for him. So that's going to be very telling for Kyle Kuzma. If he can go somewhere and do, like I said, what Ingram and Clarkson and Lonzo and some of these other guys have, have been able to do in recent years, maybe it's the best thing for both sides to, to move on. I just want him to go to a big market. He's a big market player. So if, if the Lakers can somehow, I don't know, trade for Zach Levine, you know, that that's, that's a player that I, that I, that not a lot of people are talking about that, it, you know, I would love Zach Levine in LA. I, I, I would love that. So there's so many different, that's what I'm saying. There's so many different possible scenarios. 
Sure. But I, I think in order for that to happen, that'd be more so of a sign and trade with Schroeder and then yeah. packaging coups and maybe the 22nd pick. Hell, even KCP, if that's what it takes to, to get somebody. Trez, you know, to, yeah. to get somebody like Zach Levine. There's so many different options. So I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what happens. It, we'll know. We'll know within the next week for sure. The first domino will drop within the next week. No doubt. No doubt. And that's a great point. Actually, that's not a bad trade you came up with. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, who, by the way, has already been linked to the Chicago Bulls. You do a sign and trade. You got him and, and Kuz there. I don't know what Levine's contract situation is off the top of my head, but between those two guys, the 22nd pick, and you get an all-star caliber guard in Zach Levine, who is a dead-eye shooter, a guy who could create for himself, not to mention, Chaz, pretty good playmaker too, Zach Levine. Underrated. Yeah. I mean, this was a guy who was averaging, I want to say, anywhere from five to six assists a game. That's not bad. Yeah, pretty much. That's the he, he, Zach Levine is on a very team-friendly contract. He only makes $6 million more than Coos. Wow. And he, and, really? and he still he, has... He was getting paid more. Okay. Now, he only has one more year left on his deal at $19.5 million. He's made nineteen and a half. He signed a four-year, $78 million contract in 2018. So mm-hmm. he's in the final year. This, this upcoming season would be the final year of that, of that $19.5 million. Then he's an unrestricted free agent. Man, you trade for Zach Levine in a contract year coming off the Olympics, assuming he doesn't you know, have a catastrophic injury. You talk about a guy that's playing for max money in mm-hmm. L.A. with LeBron and yep. A.D. Whew. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that might be what he wants. He wants out of Chicago. I really don't think he's going to be there. So whether he formally asked for a trade, like some of these other guys we've talked about, like Westbrook or Beal, who are under these active contracts for the next couple of years, uh, or he just decides to ride it out and take his chances in, in free agency. Zach Levine is going to be coveted by somebody. And I would love to see him come home. Remember UCLA product it would be great to see him uh, wearing the purple and gold, but Going back to Dennis Schroeder, now there's just so much stuff there. Sign and trade. Uh, is he going to sign and stay? We know he wants north of $100 million. He turned down the four-year for $84 million, which at the time everyone said, good thing he did do that because look how poorly he played in the playoffs, and he was terrible. When the Lakers needed him, especially after it was announced Anthony Davis was not good to go in game five because of the groin and the knee, 0 for 9. He puts up a goose egg. And this was a guy who was supposed to be your third option this past year. That to me told me everything I needed to know about this kid, that he is not a big game player that the moment scared him. And for all that trash that he was talking that, you know, may have been a reason why he got shoved by Booker, not to say that was excusable, but he was chatting a lot throughout that series. And even throughout the season, remember Kyrie didn't like some of the things that he was saying and him and Kyrie got into it. Kyrie got ejected in that game in Brooklyn. So, I mean, I like the edge. I like the attitude at times, but you got to be able to back it up. And he didn't do that at all in the latter part, those last three games of that first round series against Phoenix. And I am a little skeptical about giving a guy a four year, 120 or $115 million contract for someone who's going to shrink when the lights are brightest and the stage is biggest. So the Lakers have to decide, is this going to get better with time or do we use this as an opportunity to move forward, sign and trade and try to get an asset that's a better fit for us? That's the, that's the move. I don't see Schroeder coming back. And here's why. Yeah. If you have to pray 
and hope that your point guard has an open three in the playoffs and you got to pray that it, that it's even, that it might go in. I don't want you. I, I can't, I can't not know what I'm getting on the offensive end. Defense is great. Right. Yeah. But the game is all about scoring points. And if LeBron and AD are doubled or, or if the rotation is coming off the weak side and it's coming to shoulder, I don't trust that he's going to make that shot. I don't trust. I don't trust that he's even going to make the right decision, based off of what I saw in the six games again in the Phoenix series. Now, albeit he didn't have, you know, he was coming off of COVID protocols, didn't have all the chemistry that he probably would have liked to have. Wasn't in the flow of the game. Was a little bit injured as well with his knee. Um, that wasn't widely reported, but he was dealing with an issue there. I mean, look, I know there's a lot of stuff that's going on with him, but I just ultimately don't see him coming back on a team-friendly deal. He's not going to get paid more than $20 million, even if the Lakers sign him. And he seems like, to me, he seems like a guy that's going to prioritize getting every dollar he can over winning, especially being in, in L.A. And well, the Lakers and, and, are not... And are, I can't no, blame... Go ahead. The Lakers are not in a position to pay anybody top dollar. That's that's that if you have to think about if they're worth top dollar, they're not in a position to pay top dollar. Right. We're talking about getting DeMar DeRozan for a third of what he made last year, quite possibly. The Lakers yeah, aren't, yeah, but also the too, Lakers that's, aren't that's, overpaying anybody. Right. But that's sort of an unfair comparison because DeRozan's made his money. He's about to go into year. I believe he even said a year 13. Year Dennis Schroeder, I believe, is going into year eight eight or nine so you're you can't really compare it i can't blame a guy for trying to get that money back i can't blame him because these are his prime years however at the same point in time if you are going to don the purple and gold if you're going to put on that jersey that other laker greats up in the rafters that you see including the late great kobe bryant that comes with a responsibility to win and put team goals ahead of your own we saw Kobe Bryant had to make a, you know, people say, well, Kobe didn't have to sacrifice. BS. Kobe sacrificed a lot in those first eight years with Shaquille O'Neal. He had to pull it. He was asked to pull it back by the organization and the coaching staff, uh, including Phil Jackson, because one, they, he felt that Kobe was not ready to lead and have everybody follow. And two, you had a teammate by the name of Shaquille O'Neal, who Who's an all-time ran, didn't have the work ethic. All-time great, but also did not have an all-time great work ethic. So Kobe felt miffed like that. Like, okay, I have to dial it back for these guys. In Schroeder's case, you're going to have to sacrifice. And you are going to have to put winning ahead of your own personal endeavors. And to be quite honest, from what I saw throughout the regular season, there was a lot of inconsistencies. And yeah, we could blame the injuries. We could blame the short offseason, no mini camp, no time for these guys to be even in the same room because of COVID protocols, limited practice time, et cetera. However, given what I saw in those six games, COVID or not, and, and what he was coming off of with the injuries or whatever else was, was nagging him, you go 0 for 9 in game 5. I I can't welcome a player like that back to the team. So I think at this point, if I can get a better fitting asset and one who's got more star potential, I would go that route. I would go the Levine route. I would go 
the Buddy Healed route. I would go any of these other routes because at least I kind of know what I'm going to get out of those guys more so than like what version of we, of you are we getting tonight, bro? Yeah. So here's, here's the thing. Here, here's the bottom line thing for me with shorter. It wasn't even, it's not even about scoring the ball with shorter. That was the issue for me. Did you notice how that's still inexcusable took- though? It, it is, but here's the, here's the point guard is, is responsible for tempo and pace and getting people into their spots and running the set in a quick and efficient manner to give yourself a chance on an offensive rebound and to be able to rotate and, and work the ball around the horn. No pun intended. Shout out Tony Rally. But Shorter just didn't do that. Uh, too many times where we've seen the Lakers start their, start their set with 10 seconds or left in the shot clock. Yeah. Like Shorter didn't command that type of respect on the floor to got for guys to get to their spots and for him to get them there so to get the ball in the most offensive in the most efficient ways possible. There was a lot of times where there were bad shots taken because he was too busy walking the ball up or you know making the wrong pass or trying to wait to blow past his man because he's kind of a score first guy than a setup guy. So he's just, to me, he just wasn't the right fit. He's, okay, great. We had him for that one year. He wants his money. Give him his money and trade him somewhere and get back the assets that you really want. I just don't see him coming back. There's going to be at least one trade made by Rob Palenka within the next seven to 10 days, if not two. And it might be for Kuz and Schroeder. Who knows? Maybe at the same damn time. Shout out future. Maybe. It's going to be very interesting these next few days uh, leading up to the draft and after the draft. So, uh, you know, it's funny. I don't think I've ever seen uh, the NBA draft line up with the MLB trade deadline, but it's going to be a wild week for LA teams and really for both leagues. You're going to see a lot of player movement if you haven't done so already. So uh, it's, a, it's definitely a good time to be a sports fan. We got the Olympics in full swing. Uh, Team USA dropped one to, to France. So, uh, it definitely gives a lot of people some intriguing storylines right there. But uh, honestly, Chaz, I think the Lakers will make some improvements. And at the end of the day, let me just close out with this. If they decide to run it back and make some minor adjustments, this team will still be pretty darn good. I, I still think they'll be good. They'll be a top five kind of team. Pending health. If they decide to run. Pending health, right. Yeah, a lot more is dependent on health. But if they decide this is the route we're going to go at, I'm going to be like, okay, well, can't say I didn't tell you so, but I hope you all see something in Schroeder and Coos that the rest of us are not seeing because there are guys out there who could end up being better fits and better, uh, better scores and better assets to this team than what is currently on the roster. Out of everything that I've said today, there's only one move that the Lakers have to make. Everything else they could make or don't make or what. There's one move that the Lakers have to make. They have to bring back Dwight Howard on the minimum. Have to. You have to. There's no. There, if there is one move that you have to absolutely do, which is a no-brainer, is go get Dwight Howard. That's it. Outside of that, everything else you could get away with. But you need, I repeat, need somebody to go behind Marcus Gasol and Anthony Davis, if not start in front of Marcus Gasol, if he decides 
to opt back in, which he likely will because he's not getting more than what he's making from the Lakers with any other team, especially given how he played in this last season. So Lakers, go get Dwight Howard, get him on the minimum, bring him back home. He wants to win a championship. Jared Dudley's already recruiting in his Instagram. Get him back. Amen to that. We shall see what happens with D39 or D12, who was a major asset for the Lakers during the uh, 20. Well, I mean, he used to go by D12. He was 39 with the Lakers, D39. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying over here. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but it, honestly, it's going to be a, it's going to be a great draft. Uh, it's going to be a very good offseason with free agency and trades. Going to be a lot of movement and it's going to be you know, get your popcorn ready. This is going to be one for the books. I think, uh, yeah, there's not that big time free agent that everyone's going after, but could be a, a ton of trades happening as everyone's trying to jockey for position and make improvements for, for the upcoming season. So, but I'll tell you this, it's great to be back and Chaz, I hope we, we can get back into a rhythm over here leading up to training camp, which is going to be here before you know it in the next what you know month and a half to two months months. so uh it's gonna yeah yeah it's gonna be fun to watch man but it's great to be back thank you again for tuning in and to tyler rucker who provided us some draft insight for thursday night's draft you could always follow me at chris underscore camello on twitter uh see camello one on instagram camello's corner by chris camello on facebook Chaz, how can they follow you so you guys know where to get at me if you don't here it is it is at Chaz pearson on twitter and at Chaz P on Instagram. Get at me now. There it is. And of course, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Showtime underscore form. That's Showtime underscore form at Showtime form on Instagram. We're going to have a lot of content coming your way. We're getting back into it, guys. We, we had a long off season. Now the train, the train is starting to roll again. And hopefully there will be a lot of positive news surrounding the purple and gold during this off season. All right. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Take care. And I do predict that by the time we record next week, there will be a new Laker player reportedly on the team. Mm. Have a good week, everyone. Very nice prediction there, Chaz. Take care, everybody. Be healthy. Be safe out there. Peace.